this morning you have uh, in, your, in your bulletin sermon notes, which basically means that uh, you'll see notes coming up on the screen. They'll be filled in. You'll see there's a blank on your, on your bulletin space. You fill in the space, it'll help you. When you take the uh, bulletin home with you and you want to redo the sermon, all you got to do is follow the notes. I like to start out with a story, kind of like talking about being focused. You know, uh, if you go to the air, airport anytime these days, it's nothing but chaos over there. And everybody's in turmoil. And nobody gets more, more pressure than the baggage handlers. They really are under a lot of pressure. Of the airline, I want to talk to you about the airline baggage handlers who retrieved an animal carrier in the luggage bay of an airliner. But a dog found in it was dead. With visions of lawsuits dancing in their heads, they advised the woman passenger that her dog had been missent to another destination. They didn't want to tell the truth. They just want to say that dog has been sent someplace, and we'll find out. They promised they'd find it. They disposed of the dead dog. Meanwhile, they sent out a search animal welfare uh, group to all the agencies looking for a live look-alike dog. They had to find this dog in order to satisfy this lady. They found one. An airline baggage handler put the substitute dog in the animal carrier with the lady's name and address on it and delivered it to her front door. She took one look and said, that's not my dog. My dog is dead. I was bringing it home for burial. You know, you can get, you can get in a lot of trouble these days without even trying. The message entitled, Staying Focused. As the elections draw near, all of the incumbents tout their accomplishment, and they all seem to have more accomplishments than we really thought they had, eh? Amen? Said, so, did you do that? I feel like that, that TV program where the guy used to say, did I do that? And I say to these, these politicians, did you do that or did somebody else do that? Polls, I don't hold much in the polls. I don't know how good they are. I have a lot more, I'm a lot more dubious about them than I've ever been. But polls, uh, at best, try to report how people feel. So here are some polls for you to digest. They asked the question, how are we feeling? The overall answer was pretty dismal. 71% of the population that they polled say that we're on the wrong track. Never good for an incumbent. 72% of the country is, says the country is not as great as it was just three years ago. 59% say the economy is doing poorly. 61% say the American dream is broken. What are we afraid of? 60% COVID. 83% crime. Crime in our streets, crime even in our town, and, and, and maybe even coming to a home near you. Has society changed? If so, how? 61% support gay marriage. That wasn't true just a few years ago. 61 say it's morally acceptable to have a baby out of wedlock and then abort. 58% marijuana should be legalized. These things weren't like that just a few years ago. Are we going up or are we going down? You know the answer. These statistics do in fact paint a dismal picture. As such, they can impact the quality of life for believers and unbelievers. 
You're not the only people being affected by this bad news. So are people who don't believe in, in the Lord. They're, they're being affected by it. Jesus said it rains upon the just and the unjust. In other words, we're all in this together, whether we realize it or not. But there's something that separates us. We're believers in Jesus Christ. We've got the greatest going for us. Are we aware of it? How do we get through these dismal times and things being the way they are? You get through them with Jesus. Amen? That is your source of strength. If we focus on the bad news of the day, by definition, we take our eyes off Christ and his good news for today. We're so caught up in the bad news and the news cycle that is always bad news that we lose track of the good news and we don't really hear about it too much. So how do we get refocused? How do we find balance, equilibrium, and not fall into the abyss of stress and anxiety created by the negative spirit of the, art, of the age? And our text will offer some advice that I believe is very helpful, and I've quoted this text many, many times, as you have too, I'm sure, as you've studied it many times. And many times when people call me for help, this is one of the places I turn them to. So if you'll stand with me, let's read Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Are you ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Thank you. you may be seated. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. This is an attitude. It's like pray without ceasing. It's an attitude of heart. And, and life, really, when you get down to it, is, a, is, is greatly a matter of your attitude. What's our attitude? Our text says a healthy attitude is built on Jesus as its foundation. It's kind of hard for me to believe that, that unbelievers can really have the depth of joy that can only come from Christ. Can't do it. Joy is born and seeded in the heart and mind of the believer as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's in here. The implication behind that truth that the Holy Spirit brings us joy is that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you won't have the kind of joy that really can get you to places, that really passes all understanding. You're missing that. Paul says, let your joy in the Lord overcome even your most dire circumstances. The joy, that joy, is the only attitude of heart powerful enough to carry you through life's stress points. If you recognize that there is a deep-seated joy within you, and it is like a reservoir, a fountain for you to draw upon, you need to claim it. You need to call upon it. You need to, you need to uh, extract it from your account. Paul doesn't put a lot of conditions or caveats on releasing joy. He doesn't say pray about it. 
He doesn't say work at it. He doesn't say imagine it. He just says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Happiness is an emotion. And joy is largely an attitude. As a man thinks in his head and in his heart, so he is. You want to be joyful beyond your circumstances? Or do you want to walk around unhappy? It's a choice. It's a choice to be happy. It's a choice to be filled with joy, especially for the believer, because you've got the option. Emotions come and go, but attitudes come and grow. If you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior, joy will elude you because the culture will focus your attention and your search for joy on all the wrong places. I've always maintained that people are looking for love in our culture in all the wrong, wrong places, but they're also looking for peace and joy in all the wrong places. It's not to be found out there. It's to be found in here when you have the Holy Spirit living in you. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, amen? So you've got it. Now you want to release it. There was a very controversial comedian and philosopher back in the 1960s. His name was Lenny Bruce. And this was what he said was his philosophy. Listen to the emptiness of this. Look, you only have 65 years to live. Before you're 20, you can't enjoy anything because you don't know what's going on. After you're 50, you can't enjoy it either because you don't have the physical energy. So you only have around 25 years. And boy, am I going to swing. Boy, am I going to live. He died of an overdose of morphine at the age of 40. He didn't have all that time. Empty, meaningless, purposeless. He may have had fame, but he had nothing else. He obviously was a person in great distress. He was a person who was at the edge because he wouldn't have been using morphine. Real joy is in Christ, and that joy is a pattern of attitude which will change your life. If you're, if, you walk, if, you're, if you're looking for bad things to happen, if you're looking for bad things in your life, you'll find them, amen? You'll find whatever you're looking for. If you want to find flaws in your spouse, you'll find them. Do you overlook them? Verse 5. Let your moderation, another word for gentleness, be known. As we grow and mature in faith, a good barometer of that maturing is our capacity to accommodate the differences in people. In his letter to the young pastor Titus, Paul writes these words in Titus 3, 1 and 2. Put them, meaning the church, in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to, know, to be no brawler, but gentle, shewing all meekness, gentleness to all men. I wonder how many marriages will still be together. How many siblings would still, still be speaking to one another? How many friends would still be friends? How many church splits would have been avoided if people involved were able to demonstrate a little bit more maturity, a little bit more self-control, and a little bit more gentleness? The biblical injunction about gentleness looks a little bit like this. A gentle spirit is, sen is sensitive to the opinion of others. Second, it shows respect for the differences in personalities. Third, it avoids harsh words. Fourth, it doesn't belittle, degrade, or gossip about others. Now look at that list. 
Imagine if you were able to have that as your guide. It's, it's biblical. It's what the scripture encourages us. We have to be kind to one another. The Bible says, kind of go overboard with your kindness. Let your kindness be in abundance. And if we're kind to one another, it's often been said that if you really have a heart of love, it'll make a difference in how you handle the Ten Commandments. Because if you really love somebody, you won't lie to them. <laughs> if you really love somebody, you won't cheat on them. If you really love somebody, you won't slander them. Love. I wonder how that would work in our real life every day. Verse 6 instructs, don't let anxiety master you. People are overly anxious these days, really terribly fearful. A little stress and anxiety are part of life, but when they dominate your days and nights, there are consequences. Surveys find 43% of adults in our country suffer adverse health effects due to stress. How powerful is that negative attitude of stress? 75% of all visits to primary care are for stress-related complaints. Stress is blamed for more than one-half of the 550 million workdays lost annually through absenteeism. Imagine that. How powerful is this emotion of stress and anxiety? 40% of all worker turnover is due to job stress. People just can't take it anymore. Not that they ever could. I was in business for 30 years. I employed thousands of people. A lot of turnover. USA Today survey of 500 adults revealed 36% said work, uh, work was, 36% uh, said work was the biggest source of their stress. Money was second, 22%. Children were third, 10%. Only 5% had no stress, and 19% had little. What made the difference? Blaise Pascal was a mathematician and philosopher and a Christian. He said, one of the ways in which man brings the most trouble upon himself is by his inability to be still. There's so much noise in our society. We turn on the television. We're blasted on every side with the propaganda of the day. There are so many voices speaking to us. And sometimes we just want to shut it out well, Pascal agrees with what the Lord has said in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. You need a quiet time. I need a quiet time. And when we're alone with the Lord, that quiet time has to push out all the other voices. There are so many voices telling us how to think, what to think, how to live our lives. And the only person we should be living to is the one who speaks through this book. We need to be speaking and listening to what the Lord has to say. Slow down. Refocus. You're in God's hands and good hands with Jesus. What's the worst thing that can happen? Have you ever wondered that while you're going through a tough time? And now your voice is filled, your head is filled with the voices that's saying, the worst possible things are going to happen. The doctor called you up and said, I want to see you. The first thing you're thinking of, bad news. Cancer. People hear cancer, boy, do they shiver in their boots, and that's understandable. But we, we tend to think toward the worst. And with all the things that we got going on in our society today, with all the bad news, we pick up on the, on the bad news. And that's why we need to be focused on the things of the Lord. There's good news in God's word, amen? 
There's good news for you in God's word. You need some way to balance out the bad news with the good news. And the good news of the gospel is found right here. Meditate on God's word. Study God's word. We are a Bible-based church. We offer, we offer Bible study. We offer uh, a discipling ministry to get you to know more about what God says. So, so in times like that, in times of stress, you got some t place to turn. Verse seven, God promises to guard your mind. He will guard your mind by keeping you focused on Christ and his many promises in the Bible. Second Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Think about that. When everything is swirling in your head and you think you're going to lose it, call out to Jesus. First step, not last step, not, not finally. Verse 8, we must focus on eight critical factors, on six critical factors. Number one, focus on things that are true, focus on things that are honest, focus on things that are just, things pure, things lovely, and those will make for a good report, and that good report is your testimony. So I want to break those down. Number one, Paul says, focus on truth. Pilate asked the million-dollar question, what is truth? But that bird didn't realize truth was standing right in front of him. Truth is not a what. Truth is a who. It's Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Paul picked up that gauntlet of truth in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The book is truth. Jesus is truth. His book, his words reflect that. There's a consistency. There's a continuity there. There's a tie between Christ and his word. You can believe Jesus' words and you can believe God's word. What is true? What is the truth? God's son, Jesus Christ, and God's word, the Bible. When you stress out because life is moving so fast and you're bogged down in the, in the negative and your mind's in a world in a whirl, listen to Isaiah 26.3. Thou, that's God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. When you feel like you can't take it anymore, when you feel like there are too many voices in your head and you're in confusion and your head's in chaos and you look around and you're fearful for what you see, the Bible says, that he wants to keep you at peace. So don't let the outer circumstances rob you of that peace. This is what the world wants to do. It wants to give you a bunch of phony alternatives to peace. But the only real answer to peace and how to have it is what Jesus told us. I am peace. I am the way. Have you tried his remedy? Number two, Paul writes to focus on things honest, things that are decent and honorable. In 2022, honesty and honor are hard to come by. Recent polls, 90% of Americans don't trust Congress. Eh, what do we expect? Honesty and integrity marked by a man. Uh, I was privileged to meet a man named Jim Anderson when I was a young person. 
He was a pastor and he was the director of, and founder of a camp called Jubilee Ranch that I grew up in where I got saved. That, that camp got hit by the flood in 1955 and the entire camp was wiped out. And, and so many people got, got hurt of, of people who, were, who uh, they owed money to, people they owed money to for food. There was, you know, in a camp you have a lot of food you have to purchase. All of that stuff was lost and they didn't have a penny. Now he could have gone bankrupt, but you know what he did? He said, well, I'm gonna work in a public school and I'm gonna pay off all my debt. That man worked and paid off every penny of the debt that he had while being a school teacher and teaching kids, in, minority kids in, 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 uh, in the Bronx how to become pilots because he was a certified pilot. That was integrity. I'm glad I had him in my life as a person of that, that nature. Number three, Paul writes, think and focus on things just. In other words, we're focused on doing what's right and in harmony with what Jesus would do. Numbers four and five tell us to stay focused on what's pure and lovely, and in this culture, that is not easy to do. Amen? Do you see a lot of purity out there? Or does it seem every time you turn on the news, I, I mean, the commercials are more disgusting than you can possibly, than I ever thought were possible. The commercials, you can't even watch them. Who'd want to? But you can't even watch them. And there's so much filth. Titus 1.15, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Why you see the things on TV that you see, here's the reason why. Because their minds are not pure. Because the ones that perpetuate that, their minds are defiled. Their conscience is dead. And they're bringing that stuff to you with as much power as they possibly can muster. We're being brainwashed. That's why we accept things today that we didn't accept even 10 years ago. Think about it. Things that are, things that are pure and lovely uplift the human spirit. Things that are pure and lovely bless others. Things that are pure and lovely raise up your spirit. We live in a culture of pornography, of vulgarity, profanity, sensuality, violence that doesn't bless our young women and young men. Rather, it demoralizes, debases, and sexualizes, and sexualizes them. That's what they're doing to young kids, children. I don't get the impression that the, that the system really cares about kids. I get the impression that the system is out to destroy our youth. What do you think? Things pure and lovely are not readily on the menu in entertainment. If you want to focus on things pure and lovely, you're going to have to censor what you see and what you hear. Our text concludes implying the net result of the life focused on Christ, the word, and the family of faith is a testimony, a good report, a good testimony. What testimony are you leaving behind? What will people remember you? You know, I do a lot of, and Keith and sister do a lot of uh, funerals, and we hear a lot of things being said about the person who's dead. But the one testimony, that one that goes beyond the grave, is the one that says, they were faithful believers. And do we hear much of that these days? Keith and Rose can tell you a lot about what's being said over the funerals these days 
And a lot of it is not what you would like to hear. Amen? God draws praise and honor from our lives. A life committed to Christ and placed in his hands can be transformed and transforming into a beautiful life as he refines, purifies, and tunes and refocuses my life and your life. And the hymn that says it all for me right now is, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. So whatever you're looking out, looking to, for your peace, for your joy, for your life, unless it's Jesus, and unless you're looking into the word, if you're looking at other people, you're not gonna find it. There is no real model of what it is that Christ would have us to do, though. There are exceptions to every rule. But the one that we should be looking at is Jesus. Once Peter took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He almost drowned. Don't let it happen to you. Father God, we pray this morning that we will be focused on Christ. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. I pray a blessing upon them. I pray encouragement for them. I pray, Lord, if they come with, with uh, difficult feelings, if they're in pain, if they're distressed, if they're depressed, I just pray, Lord, that you would lift their hearts this morning. Let us leave this place with a song in our heart, focused on Jesus for the rest of the day and for the rest of our lives. And we pray it in his name. Amen.